Welcome to Monolithic, the podcast, where we explore diversity within Black experiences. You know me, Aaliyah Janae here. And of course, I have a special guest with me, Zubari. What's popping? <laughs> nothing, nothing. It's here with my old friend. <laughs> I know, we're going to wait, wait. Second <laughs> grade. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here, feeling old. Oh, goodness. Don't, don't, don't <laughs> say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Oh, how's everything going? Everything going smooth, work, school, you know, regular stuff. Just trying to make it, you know, those mid 20s, late 20s. Those 20 somethings. Oh, <laughs> late 20s. Something <laughs> 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 like that. There you go. Mid 20s here. Uh, I'm just playing. But no. Stop. All right, let's get into it. So today's topic is about the Black identity. Right. And so it's a combination of like defining blackness, but also like as a whole, but also for you to talk about blackness from your perspective. And so with the first question, I really want to dive deep into your origin story because we love to know where people are from. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how do you identify racially and or ethnically? Okay, so first, before I get into the origins, I identify as black. Um, or, you know, also African-American, whichever one is kind of interchangeable a lot of times for me. Um, origin story, um, you see, I grew up, you know, in the city for the most part, but then also I moved out uh, around like eighth, seventh, around middle school time. What I city? Moved up from Kansas City. Okay, okay, okay. I'll ask that people to know a little bit, but Kansas City. I grew up um, kind of, you know, both parents in the household uh, up until about middle school, my parents divorced. Um, went to an African center learning school, same thing as Aaliyah. Um, it was it was dope. So I always had an idea of our, our concept about our culture and our people. Um, it always carried myself with a sense of pride, even from a young age. And even outside of school, just some of the lessons I learned from my father uh, that were just implemented in our household. You know, we, we celebrated Kwanzaa at school, at home, we learned. Uh, my name is Zubari, so I guess, you know, my name in, in itself is Swahili, so uh, there was a lot of things that was, were happening before I was even born, where just learning about Black culture in my family, so it was already kind of implemented with me. So I feel like as, you know, just growing up, I was kind of like the nerdy kid, so to speak, kind of shy, more reserved. Uh, it took a while for me to kind of come out of my shell. I feel like that's one of the things that, you know, you naturally come out of, you know, coming into your, your preteens and things like that. Um, like I said, when I was around middle school, that's when my parents had split up and I went to go live with my dad. Uh, so that was kind of tough. Uh, not really having that much time with my mom. You know, she wasn't always the most warm person, but you know, she was going through what she was going through as well, divorce and everything. Uh, so dealing with that. Yeah, so moving out from, coming from, you know, African Center Learning School and kind of coming from an urban community where I was just surrounded by my own people going into, uh, high school, that's when we moved out to out south or whatever, South Kansas City. I went to Belton, which is kind of 20 miles south of Kansas City, which is predominantly more, you know, white, you know, white, a white school. So being a minority really kind of hit for me. But then I also felt like it gave me certain tools about how to deal and kind of be in a certain setting around different kind of people and kind of understand like, wow, I really do see us in certain aspects and things like that. Yeah. And it kind of was an eye opener for me. 
um, after high school, um, I wanted to, become a, wanted to become a firefighter. So I pursued that for a while, but then understanding that there was a lot of politics when it came to it, like actually getting in there if you didn't know somebody and things like that. It was kind of more difficult. Not to say that that's my only reason why. There was also other reasons as well. Uh, but ultimately, I didn't become a firefighter uh, right now. I became a PA, and that's currently where I'm at. I'm back in school. Perfect. And then um, you talked about the politics of it all. I think sometimes um, being a Black person is, is difficult to have to navigate you know, and learning how to navigate, like, how do I be my authentic self mm -hmm. while still, like, playing a part of the game, right? Like, you can't yeah. win the game if you're not a player in it. At least, at least, well, that's one perspective. Some folks may have some different perspectives on that, but that's one way. And so, as you talked about, like, your upbringing and your childhood and all those things, um, and all the other experiences that you've had within your 20 plus years of life. Oh, <laughs> what, like, what is your perspective and how do you define the Black experience? For me, when it comes to dealing with each other, I love the way we deal with each other. Um, now, also, like, like I said, we also represent a minority and understanding how to carry yourself. And it's unfortunate that we have to carry ourselves in certain aspects because we don't know how well received it's going to be. You know, wanting to be somebody that's proud of yourself, but then also knowing that things can also deter you if you're too strong or you come off too, you know, proud of who you are as an individual. So knowing that, knowing how to tone yourself down and tone yourself up in certain aspects. Um, like I said, dealing with each other is very, I think we're very expressive people, uh, very accepting, and that's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one thing about the Black experience that I can like kind of put into summary for me that I've seen. I think for me, when I think of the black experience, I think of the saying, like how we make something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Like we are the people who have endured so much and yet we are still the creators, the originators, all those things. So there's yeah. a major sense of pride for me. Um, I also think about the black experience being somewhat limited in some points. Um, because if you don't follow that like strong narrative, it's like, hmm, or if you don't follow the typical expectations of what that looks like, you are then like out on the margins. Um, and so I think for me, that's why it's so important to have a podcast like this, because I want us to like explore the diversities and the complexities and the multi dimensions of us, because mm -hmm. we are all of that. We are, the again, we're the originators of, of all things. So all positive things <laughs> but um yeah. I love that and so when you talk about this expressive type of people and how we hold each other down and all those things do you feel connected to that experience why why not yeah I most definitely feel connected um definitely in an age where you know social media is so prevalent you know you it's easy to connect but it's also at the same time to feel disconnected as well sometimes you can kind of take it as far as you want to go, but then again, you don't have to. Uh, when it comes to just kind of carrying myself as somebody that is open and accepting and, and expressive, I try to be as open-minded as possible. Um, I don't know, how, like I said, I don't know how well perceived that is, but I, you know, I I can be in a certain group of people and just learning learning how to code switch uh, the expressive part. I mean, I feel like definitely, you know, a lot of times with learning about the black experience, it also always starts in our, our home for the most part. And 
knowing that the person that, you know, I was raised, my parents, specifically my father being who he is, everybody knows him. So whenever we were out somewhere, you know, speaking, just being open and expressive, um, definitely was something that, that resonated with me and that created a, a desire for me specifically. Uh, I don't have that natural, like that natural charm per se, that level of just like bubbliness and it's like just outgoingness. Uh, you know, I can emulate it to a certain extent, but I definitely connect with it in certain aspects. Um, and when it comes to like other things, as far as, you know, just connecting, there's a lot of other things like, you know, I think a lot of times we're kind of governed by fear. Mm. Um, and that's a tough pill to swallow. You know, a lot of times, you know, you want to believe that you can do anything, which you can, but at the same time, just the amount of steps you got to go to, like the, that path you got to go down to get to where you want to go is always going to be so much more cumbersome. Right. Um, and for me specifically, I know I've experienced it just, you know, right now I live in loft. And the other day, I literally see my neighbor at the grocery store and I said, hey, what's up? He literally kept it pushing. I seen him down another hour. I said, hey, what's up, Dave? Specifically said this man's name and just like he just walked right past me. And it's like, you don't want to be a certain way, but then at the same time, it's like, well, damn, it's like that. Right. So I definitely feel like, you know, just the experience as far as um, the good side as far as being accepting and being outgoing with each other, you know, just black people and just being like that period that definitely resonated with me, but also just also that fear and this sometimes that FU type mentality, like it's like that. Yeah. You know, you it kind of it kind of hits different. So I love what you're saying because it's like a, a two-folded thing. It's like they fear you. And then you also, there's also some internalized fear of like, if I do this, then this may happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it is something that we don't want to talk about because it's so real and it's so like, it's fresh because it happens every day. You know, we can be in a meeting and it happens, or you could, again, you're at the grocery store and, it's, and it happens. And so um, that's a part of the Black experience for me that I'm always like, oh, why we got to endure this? Like, mm-hmm. There's no no amount of training, school, none of that that can prepare you for it. Like our parents can sit us down and talk to us about it, but it's kind of something you have to like experience first and then talk about later. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that this podcast helps to start some of those conversations or continue those conversations because that's super important. And you talked about two things about the Black experience. Do you think there's more than one type of Black experience? Most definitely. Um... A lot of things I, I'm only speaking on from where I stand, but I know there's there's so many different just in America. There's so many different black experiences. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of them. Some of them, like I personally, I've never, you know, not saying that this is a black experience, but it is associated, you know, being impoverished and, and being in a position of poverty um, due to certain circumstances that is part of certain people's realities. Right. Um, that's not something I personally live, but I understand that is a reality. Um, there's also, you have people that are so disconnected because maybe their parents did do well for themselves and, and they don't know how to associate with their own people. So they're so disconnected culturally, you know, from the way they speak or the way they, they carry themselves. They're so disconnected that they don't know how to connect. So there's, there's so many different spectrums within you know, the Black experience, um, you know, I'm gonna say it's good or bad, but that's just the reality. Right, and I wanna unpack something that you said really quickly 
about you coming from um, not a stereotypical, I don't want to say stereotypical, but not a typical background. Like you came mm-hmm. from more of the middle-class background. And so how do you think that experience um, impacted how other Black people see you? So it was kind of strange. It's, I was like, remember, I remember going to, huh? I said, and also how you see yourself. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of strange um, how, how other people saw me, I believe, you know, because I mean, we it was middle class, but at the same time, it was like kind of, we still kind of lived, you know, in the, the city for the most part. So it's kind of like that, like, oh, like the hood rich nigga type, you know, type, <laughs> <laughs> type thing, you know what I mean? So I remember going to school, like my dad, he always, he always, he always had free time. He can always come up to school. You remember, uh, he would come up there, you know, speaking. I thought it was really cool. Uh, just to have both of my parents in the household. But of course, you know, that eventually went away when it got divorced and everything. Uh, remember, it was cool when we were younger and kids, but I think the older I got and the older people became, the more that they became somewhat or discredited me as an individual based upon the reality that I was doing. Mm. And that can be a, like a tough pill to swallow. I remember asking my dad, I was like, hey, like, you know, let's say I was to become somebody, I wanted to be a leader in our community. How would I do that if they feel, if I feel, if they feel so disconnected from me or they feel like everything that I attained was handed to me. And he was like, you can only be you, that's true. you know? And, and that's tough, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's just reality. You know, at the end of the day, people are not going, people value like an underdog or like a come, like, you know, come up sort of story in, for the most part, some of the things were handed to me and given to me. Now, that's not to say that it didn't come without its hardships. Because right. at the end of the day, you know, at no point in time, if I don't get to point A, people are going to look at me and be like, how did he not get to point A? I mean, I understand, like, you know, my expect- the expectations, the bar is set higher, you know. So, and I try to carry myself with that type of expectation. You know, I look at my siblings, for instance, my brother, he's in law school. My sister just, she graduated last year. She's in grad school now. And I'm just looking at the way they move and operate. And I'm like, the bar is higher. You know, some people, you know, and, and this ain't no, no, no looking down upon nobody or anything like that, but it's just like graduating high school or just surviving is enough. That's not an option just to survive for me. You know, that's being just surviving. Nobody would look at me and be like, damn, he really doing something for himself. Like he really came out of his situation. Right. You know, and that's that's just real. So and that and that's something I would have to accept myself and I would have to carry myself like that and that's something that I, I do carry but it's not a burden so I hope to be some something that like people can look at and like all right look I hope one day I can do what this man did for his kids and maybe whenever he becomes a you know adult and has children whatever he passes the torch on that should be the mentality because with other races you know and ethnic ethnic groups that's what they do and a lot of times you know black people I feel like it's always like a well, he ain't, he, he was handed that type of thing. But it's like, don't you want to do that for yours? You know, and it kind of perpetuates this idea that, well, damn, do we always supposed to be just stuck where we're supposed to be at? Like, where, where we started at, you know, so. It's like, we're going to continue to cycle with that type yeah. of mindset, you know? So, I don't know, this, like, passing of the torch mentality is kind of how I look at it now. And hopefully I can take what my father did for me and my, my mother and, whatever benefits and gifts that I was given in life and hopefully be able to share that with other people. Definitely. I talked to my dad about this maybe a month ago and Mm -hmm. I asked him like, it was just weird 
Cause I was like, dang, when I have children, they're going to grow up so much different than me. And like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to navigate that because so much of who I am, like my children are going to be born to a, at least one parent with two formal degrees. Yeah. I didn't have that. Um, they're going to be born to parents who've traveled the world, who have all these different experiences. And it's like, I have, I'm keeping that in my mind of like, making sure I don't put unnecessary pressure on my children to be a mini me instead of them being the first them. Like I want them to be themselves and I'm just gonna give them the tools to like navigate the world, um, teach them to be resourceful, all those things. But it was definitely an interesting conversation because I was like, dang, I didn't even think about that. Like my children are gonna be so different, <laughs> so different, so different, but in a good way because you're supposed to learn and grow. You don't wanna learn something and be stuck. Um, and we, we always talk about in generational cycles, you know, everybody build a generational wealth. You hear that all the time, but I think that wealth starts in the mind. Mm -hmm. Like, are you going to pass down them same type of traditions or same type of like, um, I, I don't like the saying crabs in a barrel because I always ask like who put the crabs in a the barrel. They're not in their natural habitat. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, we're not in our natural habitat either. Like realistically. Um, and so it sort of is. It sort of is like that um, that experience or like that mindset that only one person can be at the top or mm -hmm. only one person can do this, can do that. And once we get out of that, I think we will then be able to do all the other things that we want to do. But it has yeah. to start with a mindset first. Yeah. It's one thing you know. say that, but I hope y'all got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One way I like to look at it is, you know, outliers should create outlines, you know. I love you know, it. if somebody on the is walking on the edge, then that should be somebody else's. Like, oh shoot, I can follow this person's footsteps up until this point, and maybe I can go a little bit farther. You, you said outliers I mean? can create outlines. Repeat that again. Yeah, outliers create outlines. I love that. Yeah, make sure you. Eat it. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Get credit, okay? I got you. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> no, and so um, one of the last questions, or like one of the last topics, I wanted us to sort of discuss. And what do you think is like the dangers of like a limited one story of, around blackness? I think it's the biggest thing is that with anything that's, you know, you, you, you look at it from one perspective, you, you put your blinders on, you know, or you say, this is the only way, but right, right way, the right way to make it. And, you know, at no point in time, things get innovated or things grow, you know, nothing grows, you know, if, if things are just used the same way, you know, you, you have the same method to get to the same place, you know what I mean? There's more than one way and more than one, one path. Um, and everybody's story is different. Everybody's psychologically, like, you know, psychologically speaking is different. Right. Um, I can't do what my mom does in a certain way. You know, she's a woman and she was raised a certain way. I can't be who my father is. So I can't get to the same position. And our, our experiences are entirely different even though I was raised by these people. You know, we already kind of talked about just how our children. So I can't even I can't even tell my children specifically how to get to a certain position or what the black experience is. I can introduce them to a world and, and show them the positivity in the world and try to pick out and, you know, and slowly piece together things, you know, but the world is the world is always changing and evolving, evolving as well. Right. So you just have to kind of take it as it is and go with the tools you have. So and, I, and the, but the danger of it is look at it from that perspective and just being like, oh, this is how it's done and shunning somebody else 
we're doing something different. You know, let's say my child wanted to become a, a cop. You know, they're like, oh, we don't, we don't fuck with the police. We don't mess with the police. You know what I mean? We don't fuck with them. Da, 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 da. But what are the benefits of that? You know what I'm saying? Maybe there are some benefits to that. You know, limiting the possibilities is like, is also what hurts us. You know what I'm saying? Just being, we are very accepting, but at the same time, I think we, we don't think progressively as a people. And I think that kind of hurts us a lot too. What do you mean by that? So like we were saying, just like, oh, you know, you can't, you don't fuck with police. Da, 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 da. I don't fuck with police either. But one thing I think that we do need more black officers, you know, so when, I, when I'm thinking about being progressive, you know, like as far as like governing our own communities and things like that, or, you know, we need more uh, black professors. We need, we need school to be cool. Like, <laughs> it just sounds so corny, but like school to be cool, you know, in, in the sense of like, oh, you know, people just are afraid to really be or show their intelligence. You know, we're very, like I said earlier, I said we're very expressive and we are, and, you know, we have this coolness to us and we, you know, we just wild with the way we speak and the way we talk. And sometimes we downgrade, you know, our intellect, our vernacular, just to sound a certain way. Right. You know, and I'm saying, instead of being progressive and saying, hey, look, it's dope to, to use words that, hey, maybe I, I, maybe other people don't know. And if they want to know about it, I can use that word. You know, I think that might be beneficial. Uh, so that's why I mean more, more progressive in, instead of just being, you know, one, one track minded or, you know, sticking into this mode kind of so to speak definitely when you, when you said i'm progressive the first thing that came to my mind is for us to think long term like mm-hmm. sometimes we think in the now like what's hot now what's right now what's trendy yeah. and we're going to create the trend instead of like yes we're going to create the trend and we're also going to patent it you know <laughs> we're going to train yeah but then we can pass it down because because we're such an innovative and expressive type of people, we can just come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, most of us can come up with ideas quickly. So, you know, that's a thing of the past. And so when I think about you saying progressive, um, it's just really thinking about the long-term effects of what we're doing um, mm-hmm. and how we have to sometimes reevaluate, like, is, is this sustainable? Like what we're doing, is this sustainable for our longevity, for our continuation on this earth? And so. No, uh, I love this conversation and thank you for coming to join me today. No problem. You know, you I feeling? didn't be back. <laughs> you coming back? I'll be back. I'll be back. I might, you know, even write something. Oh, okay, okay. So let's get into that. So I always like to spotlight whatever guests that are on the show. Mm-hmm. Feel free to tell us about like what you're working on, anything that you want to share with our listeners. If you have social media, where can they follow you? All that fun stuff. Yeah. So I, I kind of skipped over this part of my origin story, but I'm a writer, I'm a poet. Um, and one of the things I'm really trying to get over right now is like my fear of being online, like just being in front of a camera, <laughs> which is hence why I'm also here and I thought it would be to my benefit as much as it will to Monolithic and Aaliyah. Um, so, you know, I, I write. Uh, I really haven't put anything online yet, but as soon as I will, I'll be here to share first. Please share, send it to me. I'll post it. I will, for real. You know, I know you're going to be like, now you said it. <laughs> like, I already know. You know, I'll hold you accountable. We got to hold each other accountable sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. Did I say progressive? Huh? Did I say progressive? I wouldn't talk about me, though. Hey. You got to hold me to it. Hey. We all <laughs> part of this. 
right? Okay. You getting nah. crazy. Y'all, y'all hear this? Nah. <laughs> Shout out to our listeners and thank you all for listening to Monolithic, the podcast where we explore diversity within Black experiences. We hope that you learned something. I have a new saying that outliers create outlines because that's how I feel in my life. So shout out to Zawari for sharing that with us. If you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at monolithic underscore the podcast. Join the conversation. Please stay tuned for future episodes. Thank you so much. Peace and gratitude. (laughs) 